Welcome to the Mental Pick Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about deep human psychology. I have my guests on now. All right, I'm ready. Um, so when do humans start thinking? Actually, that's a very big question because humans are constantly thinking. Even when they're asleep, they're thinking. If they are, even if they're quiet, they're also thinking. Uh, but when did this thinking actually start? When is the first, or what is the first human thought? And surprisingly, I think uh, the first human, uh, the the first time humans start thinking is when they are four months old, as a fetus in their mom's uh, womb. Um, how do we know that? We know that um, the babies like react to some senses. We know that a five month this uh, can react to noises or sounds around it, right, right, or right. even light. So that's why they play music for kids in the womb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, this has a meaning to me. It means that there is something out there. They know that there is something out there, and they react to it. This process can never happen without thinking. So we can say that a four-month fetus is actually thinking. But what is that thought? He has no concept yet. He has no concept of chair or desk or teacher or justice or bag or anything else. The first thought, actually the first thought of me, the first thought of you, the first thought of president, there, any person around you has been the same thing. And that is, do I exist? Is this really something out there? It's like a feeling of astonishment, a, a really faint feeling of wonder that, oh, there is something out there. I can feel it. And this knowing that I exist is the first thought that uh, evokes a big, big pleasure because you think existence as a privilege. Oh my God, existence is not something small. I exist. And that's a big thing. And at the same time, it evokes a lot of anxiety. Because I might say, oh my God, is this existence dependent on something? Is someone going to take this existence away from me? And this pleasure and anxiety will stay with us till the end of our life. Human is a creature that at the same time it knows it exists, so it's like full of desire. And at the same time it knows that it's gonna die, he's gonna die too. So. He can never rest in peace. He can never be completely peaceful. Because I want to, because I exist, I want to be become the absolute power and beauty. But I know at the same time that I'm very small and um, I cannot really come over all of the uh, environment that I see around me. So I'm anxious too. So if we look at humans from existential point of view, we are constantly anxious. That's why we have behaviors. Um, I want to go um, over what makes us different, like how different, how human is different from other creatures, like a dog or a dolphin. And then how is dog and dolphin is different from other creatures, like atoms and molecules, that they are not living things. So I can like put put everything that exists in three categories. One category is unliving things like atoms, and then living creatures, and then humans. How are they? We all exist. 
we know that other things exist too. If you ask me, I would say non-living creatures, even non-living creatures like atoms, they are full of behavior. If you look at inside the atom, if you see the protons, protons don't like each other, but they are all together close by in nucleus of atoms, and they are like resisting. And if you see the behavior of an electron, it goes around and around and around the nucleus, like as an like a anxious bug moving around the light. Um, this means that the system has come together. It's like resisting, resisting against entropy, resisting against death, resisting against not being, because it wants to say, "Hey, I exist." So. The minimum thing that this uh, a living creature, like a existence, must have is that uh, uh, resistance. Resistance defines the system. And let's move forward to a living creature. How is an atom different from bacteria? If you look at behavior of bacteria, bacteria connects to its environment, toxin like uh, receive something from environment, send back something into the environment. This means that uh, bacteria wants to change itself as a dynamic system, send and receive things from the to and from the environment to keep its existence. And when we come to from atoms to bacteria, we can say living creatures know something. They know that they exist. Bacteria knows that it exists. Actually, the difference between artificial intelligence and real intelligence, like natural intelligence, is that natural intelligence knows that it exists, but artificial intelligence, no matter how intelligence behavior can they can it, it can emerge from it, they don't know that it exists. Um, all living creatures around you, even grass, dolphin, dog. They all have something in common. They know that they exist. And all of their behavior that they are doing, um, that they grow and they make, they want to make more of themselves, is because that they know they exist. And how? what makes a human different here? Human not only knows that it exists, but also it knows that it dies too. And if you see from behavior perspective, the behavior that we do that is special for humans and other animals don't have it. Like we laugh, we cry, we bury our dead bodies, we get wrinkles when we get old, we take care of vulnerable groups like older people, children, people with disability. They all show that we have, we have a, another statement, we know another thing. We not only we know we exist, we also know that we die. And that makes us anxious, but constantly anxious. That's why even we talk. Talking talking is one of the characteristics that humans have, but animals don't have. Why are we talking? We are all constantly talking together because we are worried. I want to share my experience with you. I've come this far, how about you? You are over there, and you also know that you die. Let's talk together. Let's do something about it. And this was kind of uh, my perspective over humans and 
anxiety. So, so you don't think that other animals are born knowing that they're going to die? You think that's only in humans? Yeah, I think I think animals they they don't have the concept of death um, in their consciousness. Uh, we constantly know that we might die. Um, a dog or like a grass, they know that they exist, but um, they don't have fear of death in their consciousness. In, in their in they just see, they just see, for example, uh, let's say a dead body of their friend or relative. They smell it and they just say, no, it's dead, it's no more alive, and they just go. But they don't have the concept that they themselves, is gonna, they're going to die too. Uh, I know they distinguish dead and living creatures around them, but um, they all, even a virus, now, now we are, getting affected by coronavirus. <laughs> coronavirus is leaving Peter. It knows that exists. It has a concept of uh, the, I know that I exist. Um, like the, 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 uh, the blood cells. The blood cells, I know it's, they are very small, but they know that they exist. That's why they react in the environment. That's why, that's why a blood cell goes into our red cells and say, okay, this little guy over here doesn't seem familiar, let's attack it. How, how can a blood cell uh, understand uh, without a brain that this, for example, uh, this particle, this whatever it is, it's not a friend, it's an enemy. So they, are, they know something. Um, all living creatures, um, all creations, all living creatures, they know that they exist and that's how they get connected to the environment. But they don't have um, the concept that they are gonna die themselves too. So, so okay, okay. If gender and ethnicity are all secondary traits, what really does define a human? Yeah. So, so let's get back to the uh, definition of human. What is a human? Can I define a human with its body? Can I define a human with its gender? Can I define a human with its ethnicity? Uh, if you ask me. All of these are secondary. So we define a human as an existence that it knows it exists and it knows at the same time that it dies. This is human. Now, when does gender come to play a role? When does other things, like my name and my role in society, they're all secondary? Um, I will go and start with gender first. Um, if you just see human as a pure existence, let's say there is no me and you. It's just one one being, and it's called human. And there is no President Trump, there is no Biden, there is no, there is no different self. There is just one self. Mm-hmm. Let's call that human. That self knows that it exists and it knows it dies at the same time. And Let's say this self has everything it wants. We have uh, humans have two, uh, like all of the behaviors that you see around. They are for two reasons: to get more pleasure or to get out of pain. Now let's say that self, the human self, has all the pleasures that he wants, and he is away from all the pain, so he feels safe at the same time and all of the pleasures that he wants. 
one thing that, uh, let's say, the creator says, do not approach this one. You have everything, but don't approach this one. And here, that, that self becomes restless. Like, what is that? What is in there? I want to know more about it. Approaching that thing, it, it breaks into two parts. One part of that self says, okay, you go, you go find out what it is. And the other one says, okay, you still, I go try it first. The part, the part that goes and does it first, the action, becomes the man. And the part that stays and watches and says, okay, I want to see uh, how you do it, it like has more patience, uh, is a woman. And that's the existential definition of man, gender, man and woman. From there, we broke into two genders, man and woman. And after approaching that, approaching the tree, for example, mm -hmm. whatever that we thought, you believe it? Um, into all different cells, all humans around you were the, the particle that they came out of that, that one, one being. And we are born in different times and locations, but we are all coming from one single self. And like all of these things that you see, I am born in, for example, that country, this country, I am uh, from this ethnicity, I have this name, this generation, these parents, they're all secondary. But you're all coming from one single source. What do you think the, the ultimate future looks like for humans? Uh, you just said the ultimate future? Yes, what does the ultimate future look like for humans? That's also a big question because, you know, we are stuck on a small plant, little piece of stone called planet Earth that is wandering in an infinite darkness, and we don't know like, like, like where it's going or what is going to happen. And we, at the same time, you want to be everything. Because if, even if you interview a little particle, the desire of us be God, to be absolute power and beauty. If I, if I give somebody like this car and that house, it wants more. If I give that person the whole continent, it wants the whole planet. If I give that person the whole planet, it <laughs> I want the other. So when do we stop wanting? When we stop wanting, when we are absolute power, and then we are absolute beauty. So power is that how you can influence your environment, and beauty how you can attract attention of other things so we know that a human although it's like a small little body and it's like very vulnerable it easily dies with a little accident at the same time it wants everything it wants to be the absolute power and beauty the problem is that we are next to one another and all of us wants to be the absolute power and beauty at the same time so we're like what is the future like for us um, to be honest, when humans come to connection to one another, they, they kind of exploit one another. If you look at different governing systems, they are... Are they like always attacking each other? Yeah, exactly. 
not only they have conflicts with one another, like, look at me, I have a atomic bomb, you have to obey me. The other one says, well, I have this missile, do you have to obey me? Not only one, between one another, but also um, in relation to their own people. All, all different governing systems. Yeah, all the citizens that are there. Yeah. You see people struggling for their basic needs in the country everywhere. It's not criticism of any model of system. I'm just saying generally all governing systems so this is humans in relation to human we are actually trying to control and exploit one another and this um, this becomes a deteriorate because human anxiety increase, increases the more we understand uh, I know at the same time we're controlling nature but our, our awareness is growing that hey we are dying so when anxiety increases, the behaviors that they kind of cover anxiety escalates at the same time. But on the other side of the story, there will be some people that they will go towards enlightenment. There will be some humans that they uh, face the reality that they're going to die, and they accept it, and they do not invest in this little time of lifetime, and they think that, oh, if I got a taste die, but it doesn't mean that everything disappears. I exist and I continue my existence even after death in a different like way. And these people go towards enlightenment. There are fewer and fewer of these people, but the degree of their enlightenment is gonna be very, very high. And those people will become the future leader, the future leader, and they will set uh, a society. We don't know when this is going to happen, but we know that um, human anxiety is increasing. People are going to treat each other even even worse than this. And, um, but a very tiny portion of group of people are going to see new things, understand new things, and um, I can see them as leaders. But the way that I mean by leader, you can not picture like the leader that you see. They're like very spiritual people on their own, and they just have followers. And people who connect to them, they can have a great like feeling, great time. And the people who are like out of their circle, they will just uh, they will just suffer with some um, like wandering because nothing actually is reliable on this world. How can I? follow uh, this life when it like tempts me around and then finally I get wrinkled and says alright it's time for you to die how can I feel peaceful if I invest in this lifetime and I say okay that's gonna be everything definitely this life is gonna betray all of us all, all to each other yeah yeah so okay we can close out with this right here what do you what do you yeah. think the solution is to lead us away from that self-destruction? Um, we we need to think. I think the only way that we have is to accept uh, reality that we're gonna die and nothing in this world is really reliable. How can we um, let me put it this way? Let me, let me tell you something like uh, funny. Let's say I want to become a prophet, 
and I want to write a book, write a sentence that makes a human, this anxious human, uh, completely peaceful. What can I say? Let's say, let's say I'm a prophet and I want to, to say something that, hey, you human, I know you're anxious because you know that you exist and you know you're going to die and I cannot do anything to help you with that. I can like tend the death, like I give you 10 more years, 100 years, but I cannot make you immortal or whatever absolute power and beauty that you want. But how can I make this human to touch the ultimate peace in his soul? The only way, let's say I'm prophet and I want to invent a new religion that touches the maximum peace in a human. So that's it. I would say, okay, if I want to write a, if I want to prescribe something, or show a way to somebody. Should I say there is no God or there is God? If I say there is no God and everything we see around us, like all particles, all the colors, all of our experiences, all of our values, they're all accidental. They just appear out of nothing and for just by accident. If I say this to a human, does this make that human to touch the ultimate peace? I would say no. Because how can I accept that everything around me is accidental? And at the time of death, I say, okay, accident, I'm just going to nowhere. <laughs> how peaceful at the time that I'm leaving this world, knowing that I'm going to turn into nothingness. All of my pleasures and experiences and suffering, they're just going to turn into nothingness in a second. How can I be peaceful? I cannot. If I want to choose from two things, that there is God or there is no God, if I want to make a human to, to be peaceful, I would say, okay, there is God. And now, how many gods do we have? If you have two gods, can a human be peaceful? I would say no, because he's always anxious. What if these two gods are going to have a battle? If you have three gods, ten gods, one hundred gods, human will still be anxious but who which which of these gods should they rely on what what happens if they fight or make love or whatever so if there is a way to ultimate peace there should be god, god at the first step the second step that is that there should be one then the only god and no more and then let's moving further what are the characteristics of this god what should this god be like it has to have two characteristics. Number one, to make me peaceful. So, so what we're doing is that we want to present a model that makes a human the complete peaceful. Number one, this God should give me whatever I want to the <laughs> maximum of And number two, is this God should be forgiveful or everything I do, this God should forgive me. So this God should exist and be the one and be the, the maximum of generosity possible and kindness possible. And surprisingly, this is the first verse of Quran. It says, in the name of God, of generosity and kindness. And when we assign something to God, it means that we cannot picture more than that. If you picture amount of generosity, God is even more generous than that. If you can picture kindness, God is even kinder than that. And just a quick note before closing is that so, so some people might ask like how can God be kind if there is to be a hell for humans but surprisingly hell is still generosity of God because the people um, after the death 
some people would become so regretful that they start demanding pain. Humans can ask for more pain. They can ask for it. And God says, okay, whatever you want, I'm just a generous. And I'm, the, I'm just a generosity. And some people ask for different types of pleasure. And some people ask for, like in psychology, we call it manning, M-A-N-D. Like manning means you want more of something. You man the pain. And so I want to say hell and heaven are continuation of one another. It's just some people that they're regretful because they see what they lost. But they, so they demand for pain. And some people are peaceful there. They ask for um, like other, other and uh, like pleasure. So, um, but it's still generous no matter where we are. And it's the absolute kindness and generosity. And that's uh, what I think, um, um, like the verse that if we connect to it, we can have, we can be peaceful no matter what happens in the future, anytime. Okay, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on and dropping some more knowledge for us. And it's always a pleasure having you on.